In this next podcast, Wayne Bruce discusses issues with Professor Tan Sir Kiat, who's the group CEO of Singapore Health Services. Uh, perhaps I could start our conversation by asking you where you see the healthcare industry heading over the next five to ten years. Well, I think uh, um, if you, I'm talking about our local scene here in Singapore, we have done reasonably well over the past decade. Going into the next five, ten years, I see us transforming the care that we deliver significantly from two points of view. One is we know that uh, the funding for healthcare keeps increasing as what, what as the population ages. Secondly, I think uh, the important issue of talent that is important, and therefore we must transform the, uh, our healthcare significantly by taking the care to the patient rather than in other words you, are, you have to be patient centric right. rather than, than, than the patient evolving uh, revolving around the healthcare providers so fundamentally we have to see how we can, can best uh, provide the care for the patients at an appropriate level again one of the drawbacks of today's care is that it is too much hospital-based, uh, whereas a lot of this care can be actually be delivered at the, either the primary or secondary le- level. So th- to come back to the point, how do I see healthcare moving in the next five to ten years? I see this moving towards a more more patient-centric care. But in order to do that, we have to, to leverage on a few things. One is we leverage on technology, we leverage on IT so that the care can be delivered efficiently, uh, uh, very quickly, and uh, that is also, uh, I would say, affordable. Okay, thank you. And what do you see as being the major issues affecting healthcare in Singapore at this point? As I mentioned in, in, my, in my previous answer, that I see two or three issues that, that pose a great challenge to us. First issue is one one of funding. Although we managed to to remain fairly lean in terms of funding our care, and have obtained a reasonable outcome out of uh, just spending barely above four percent of our GDP, but this is not going to be very sustainable because in view of the fact that in the past decade our population was relatively young. Going forward, I think. I'm not sure whether you're aware that Singapore's population is perhaps one of the second fastest aging in the Asia-Pacific region. And with the aging population, the demand for care increases significantly. So that's one. And two uh, is the, the requirement for more healthcare professionals. I think we all know that uh, as, the, as, a, as society develops, the expectation for, for better care increases, as well as new diseases emerges as a result of longevity associated with the aging process. So these are three main things, funding, right, changing demographics, and the availability of talented manpower to deliver the care. So these are three fundamental challenges that I see facing the healthcare services 
going forward. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And uh, Singh Health's philosophy is stated as being patients at the heart of all we do, and it's what you mentioned before, being patient-centric uh, as you develop the organisation further. Given that Singh Health is large and complex, how do you achieve that? I think there's no question that uh, we have to pay attention to the type of staff we, we recruit into the organization in order to be to be to live up to our motto that uh, patients at the heart of all we do our staff must really practice that and in order to make sure that do staff we recruit staff that that uh, uh, shares our, our belief we recruit staff with the right values we recruit staff with the right commitment right having recruited them there's always a continuous uh, uh, emphasis and training on all staff. It doesn't matter whether you're the highest up at the level of CEO or all the way down to the portal. Everybody must know that this is our fundamental working philosophy that patients at the heart of we do. So I'll come back to this, uh, reinforce again, recruiting the right people with the right values, with the right commitment. Mm. Training, training, training and training. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And uh, within Singapore, there's a mix of public and private hospitals. Um, what do you see as the perhaps different or complementary roles that the public and private sector can play? In Singapore, I think uh, uh, you're aware that uh, the public health care takes care of 80%. I'm talking about hospital care. Uh, takes care of 80% of the, the health care in Singapore and 20% is delivered by the private sector. To me, this is complement very complementary in, in, in terms of uh, providing the care. Um, we all achieve the same common goal of making sure that the care we deliver is excellent, achieving the, the outcome that, that we, we, we want to. The difference is in the private sector, uh, the ability to, to, to deliver personalised care is much more than we in the, in the public sector. I've always used an analogy of, of uh, healthcare with, 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 with the airline industry. Right? To bring in the airline industry a plane taking, a, taking passengers from point 1 to point 2, point A to point B safely is run by uh, the plane that's commanded by the pilot and the staff. All passengers go from point A to point B safely, but if you want more, 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 more bells and whistles and more com comfort, you go into business class and, and, and first class. Mm. Right? If you want the barest minimum, you go to economic class. I see mm. the same analogy. Mm. The public sector takes care of what I call inverted commerce, the economy class. Of course, we do have a, 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 a little bit of, of the business and, and, and the first class. Mm. The private sector delivers the care mainly in, in the business in the first class. Mm. If, so if this analogy, we will be able to understand why we, we, we think the public and the public health and the private health care sector plays complementary role. Mm. Mm. And would it be fair to say that the public sector also, I guess like it does in a lot of countries, you know, delivers the uh, very high-end, very complex specialised services as well? Absolutely, because in the public sector, we concentrate a lot a lot of our uh, our emphasis on trying to deliver what I call state of the art cutting edge medicine, and 
I'll give you an example. Most of the, of the high-end complex heart, uh, heart transplant operation, lung transplant operation, right? uh, separation of conjoint things are all done in, in the public sector purely because we have the critical mass to sharpen our skills. We have a full comprehensive team to look after the patients, which is uh, somewhat lacking in, in the private sector. It's a very personalized thing in the private sector. Mm -hmm. we all the training and teaching of, the, of generations of healthcare professionals are done in the public sector. And finally, the innovate, innovations and research and development in medicine is also done in, in, in the public sector together with the universities. And therefore, the public sector does the very complex uh, leading leading age medicine, mm. and the more run of the mill things goes into the private sector. Mm. And do you see that the uh, the health services, particularly the large teaching hospitals like Singapore General, and the universities, do the, are they um, involved in Singapore's continued push to into the biotechnology area at all? Yes, certainly. In fact, uh, uh, over the last uh, five to six years, <coughs> we are putting a lot of emphasis on training of, of uh, clinician scientists to look at how we can develop the, the, biotechnolo the biotechnology, biomedical uh, uh, research sector to not only to, to, to improve care by translating basic potential research into useful clinical application. The spin-off from this is also forms another engine of economic growth. Uh, for instance, I'll give you a good example. We do a lot of drug development. We have our, our, our experimental medicine center that, that uh, develops drugs that are proof of concept done on animals. And we move all this through translational research into clinical, clinical trials and finally in, onto the, the, the patient itself. So over the far past five to 10 years, we have been putting a lot of emphasis, putting a lot of resources, emphasis in the training what I call clinician scientists. Mm. Clinicians who are well-qualified specialists spending significant proportion, some people even spending up to 75% of time doing their research. Mm. Mm. Um, Circuit, so you've mentioned a couple of times in the in our uh, chat that uh, you see talent as a major issue. What what do you see as the the key issues in attracting talent into the health system? Right, I think that's that's a very important question. Tell, I've always told my staff that the healthcare services, the institutions, the healthcare institutions, is a talent totally talent dependent organization. Without talent, we're not, we nothing more than bricks and mortars. Now, we also know that talented people are also very mobile people, right? And we must make sure that we create the right environment to retain them so that they not only treat patients with the, the, with the best of their, their ability, achieving their, their excellent outcome, they train the next generation of, of professionals, and they push the borders, the frontiers of medicine in their research. So how do I do, do, how do I, what do I, what can I do to keep them? Fundamentally, if you look at the, the, the background of these people, these are highly, highly trained, highly intelligent people. And therefore, I must, first and foremost, important thing, important thing is, 
I must satisfy what I call what we in Singapore call the hygiene factor. In other words, you must ensure that they, they are given sufficient resources to, to live a reasonable standard, standard of living. Beyond that, I think they'll be very happy to stay on if I create in a working environment what I call an intellectual and scientific milieu so that it stimulates their, 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 their thinking process, it stimulates their interest to remain within the institution. So these are two things. One is the hygiene factor. That's I must give them sufficient pay or salary so that they, they and their families are, the families are well looked after. Right. But pay is not everything. And therefore, in addition to this, I want to create a working environment that holds them onto the institution. The research, the teaching, the camaraderie. Could I ask you in closing, um, I want to ask you about what competencies you think are essential for people, senior people in healthcare to be successful. And I'd like to ask you about perhaps two categories which you may think are the same or may think are different slightly. One being your uh, sort of hospital executive management team and secondly, your clinical leadership. I think leadership, I don't differentiate between clinical leadership and executive leadership because to me, clinical leadership in many ways, it is actually a breeding ground for executive uh, leadership. It is important to ensure that the leaders who, who comes after me must enjoy the trust, respect, and confidence of the people that they're, 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 they're managing, be they clinical leaders or executive leaders. That Therefore, they must have a few things. One is they must have domain expert expertise. Mm. Right. In other words, if I'm going to be a uh, surgeon leader, I must be, be a uh, well-respected, highly thought-of surgeon first. Right. So that's one expert domain domain uh, uh, competency. Two, they must have all the attributes of a good leadership: honest, great integrity, courage, and the uh, the ability the ability to, to move the ground, even when when, when making making tough decisions. Let me perhaps last this <coughs> you know Colin Powell, the former former chairman of the of the what I call the, the, the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the, in the US. And Colin Powell says leadership is about solving other people's solving your, your men's problems. He says that the day the soldier stops coming to you with a problem, it's the day you lost your leadership. Mm. Why? Because the, the soldiers think either you can't help them or that you don't bother, you don't care. But either way, it is, it's, a, it's a lost cause in leadership. So to me, it's the same thing. You're a, you're a leader on the ground, you're a leader in the hospital, you're a leader up here. Your ability to solve your, your staff's problems is crucial. Thanks very much for your time today. Thank you. So thank you for listening to the latest now series of healthcare sector podcasts brought to you by C-Centric.